Yes, indeed. How's it going? Uh, we're now broadcasting live, as Stephen A. Smith would say, over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I am Chico. I got my host, Adam, with me. This is Buffum Updates. Once again, we're back with Adam and Chico. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing excellent. It's been a couple of weeks since we last talked, and I got a lot of really positive feedback from our first collaboration, so it's made me even more eager to get back in here. I think we're going to try to make this even more weekly going forward, but uh, yeah, no, I've been looking forward to getting back into this. I, I was watching your YouTube page, and I'm excited to talk about some of the stuff you've been doing with your content, and I think it starts with you going to the All Poly Bowl, right? And then you did some destroying YouTube stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shouts out to destroying. Shouts out to uh, everybody out at the Polynesian Bowl. But yeah, I made sure I went out to uh, the events that destroying had out here, which is the one-on-ones that he has all over the country. He does wide receiver versus DBs. He does offensive linemen now versus the defensive linemen. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch the uh, offense versus defensive linemen. They had that on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I was able to go out there and catch the wide receivers go at it and uh, see some quarterback prospects who I had previously saw on TV that I became fans of. So I broadcasted that live on my YouTube. I shared some clips on YouTube and Instagram. And there were some prospects out there, definitely. Uh, the kid won $10,000 a DB from the University of Hawaii. So college players are eligible to get out there and play. So if destroying comes to your town, you're a college football player, and you can go out there and feel like you can easily win $10,000 versus some high schoolers, some over-the-hill guys, and you're right in your prime, it's a great opportunity to do so. And uh, I had fun watching those guys and saw some good athletes out there. Back in my day, it was three-on-three -three basketball tournaments that would travel across the country, come to your town. And I was fortunate enough to win a couple three-point contests at those events. All I got was a gift card, Chico. So I, I was doing it wrong, <laughs> but I, I lived up to the white stereotype that you can you can shoot, but not a whole lot else. Well, yeah, we're in the day day and time now of these uh, famous YouTubers having brand deals now to where they can offer these type cash giveaways on the spot. Like when the guy when the kid won, and, and it was it's, I guess it's good to note too that it's not a cash transaction, especially nowadays. I saw them like, well, what's your cash app? Okay, bam, bam, bam. and boom, it was over with just like that. $10,000 transaction. You don't have to worry about nobody trying to rob you of the cash money, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a digital transaction just like that. I was like, man, that's pretty neat to see. And bam, you know, it, it happens just like that. He's $10,000 richer. <laughs> the young DB at uh, University of Hawaii. Shouts out to him. I should have his name. I think it was Dillion. Um, I'll have it for you at the end of the show since uh, we just brought it up. But shouts out to him for winning that 10K. And uh, much respect to Destroying for doing this thing. I think they're in Orlando next, if I'm not mistaken. But I would love to do something like that in the future. I might only be able to give out a, a sack lunch or something. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you on YouTube. Th throw, throw out some Lunchables to the crowd. As long as they get on YouTube, I think that's all they care about, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Shouts out to everybody in the chat, too. Uh, we're getting some fan uh, engagement and participation we would like to for this show uh, moving forward. So, shouts out to Atlanta Stay Focused and Informed. Salute Big Dog Chico and salute Adam for sure. 
Ty from Texas checking in. Say, hey, big dog gang. Uh, destroying is here in Orlando. Exactly. Four Pro Bowl games right now. He's on the sidelines getting busy. Shouts out to him. Oh, also, uh, I guess speaking on destroying, he just got uh, an offer from the UFL, uh, the Brahmas of San Antonio, I think, the Rocks team. So he'll be kicking for them now, uh, moving forward into their league on his quest to get to the NFL. So that's good news for destroying right there. Said, oh, now for Maryland checking in. How all Anikia said. So, all right, let's get to, uh, we got about uh, five to ten topics we can discuss. A uh, bunch of news coming out. Uh, not as much as we would normally see during a news cycle, a weekly news cycle for the Colorado Buffaloes, but some things popped off that we can discuss. Uh, like Savelle Smalls and his uh, change of positions now. We've been noticing him on the well-off media coverage and the reach to people. Uh, working out in a white T-shirt. And we know that the white shirts are for the offensive side of the ball. The black shirts are for the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Savelle came in as a five-star to Washington. He transferred to Colorado, six foot three, 259 pounds, a specimen, you know, defensive end. But he played tight end also in high school. How do you see this helping us out, uh, having a guy who didn't play much on the defensive side of the ball but has that talent? Um, and now we're moving him to tight end, a spot that we've been a lot thinner at compared to the defensive side of the ball. How does he? How does this move help us overall? And uh, is it a good move for him personally? Well, first off, I think you've got to congratulate Savelle Smalls for being willing to take on this challenge because he's been a defensive guy in his college career, and. Now with the NCAA saying we're really probably not going to enforce this second time transfer one time, it used to be a one-time exemption. Now it sounds like you can transfer a second time and still play right away. So Savelle Smalls could have gotten upset with his lack of playing time in Boulder last year and said, you know, I'm going to pack my bags, go somewhere else. But it's clear that he bought into the culture that's being created in Colorado and there's a needed tight end. You know, we Colorado brings in Shimon Mateer, and it looks like he's going to be a really good player at that position, but there is not a whole lot of competition at there, especially with Michael Harrison, more of a receiver slot type transferring out. And so for Savelle Smalls, who is a, a really good athlete, and that has always been the commentary on him. It's where does he fit in? I don't know 100%. Could he be, be a hand-in-the-ground guy as a defensive end? You know, What technique would he play on the D-line? Should he be an outside linebacker? And that question was never really answered with him. It seemed like he was more of an edge guy because he wasn't as much into the, you know, the run-stopping ability, he was more of a pass rush guy. But yeah. now going to tight end, I, I feel like this is a, a real good chance for him with – and, and by all accounts, he's got really good hands. So this should be a really good move for Colorado to add depth to that room for, for the spring ball, especially when you have time to kind of evaluate him at that position without the stakes being really high. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think that um, I can project him as being a hand in the dirt, helping out a lot in the passing game, I mean, uh, in the blocking game, in the run game, and in goal line situations where he can sneak out and catch some passes. He has good hands. His um, high school tape at tight end looked very well. But, of course, a lot of times, you know, you have these guys who come out as tight ends, 
uh, the coaching staff like to move them or project them as a defensive end or edge rusher. And so he may just be a natural, more of a natural tight end, especially in these schemes that he's been in the last two years at Colorado and at Washington. I think he might just fit in better and be more productive at the tight end spot, uh, especially with Colorado needing uh, a two tight end set. We really couldn't, really didn't go a lot of that last year with the injuries we had, inconsistent play. Mikey Harrison was there doing this thing in a receiving game. But, you know, and I can speak, especially coming from this, <laughs> a former wide receiver going to tight end, although I was a tight end who played wide receiver and then went back to tight end. If you're not physical on that line and want to block and have the willingness to block or just have the physical makeup to block, it's not something easily done, uh, you know, and just adjusted to during the season. So I think Maytayer, bigger body, uh, uh, natural pass catcher will be that starter, a uh, good route runner, can cause some mismatches, but Savelle Smalls can also come in and beef up, uh, you know, with a two tight end set, one running back. We could do some play action and we can run right at you. I think he makes us more dynamic and it helps himself out um, possibly, you know, to be that guy who converted from defensive end to tight end. And now he might be a prospect, you know, in the NFL because if you can show that blocking ability and some pass catching ability, I think somebody in the NFL would be willing to take a chance on you. Yeah, Chico, if Savelle Smalls does really well at tight end in Boulder this fall, you and a lot of folks are going to hear the name Nick Casa brought up a lot. And he was a guy that was a blue chip recruit coming out of a local high school here in Colorado, Legacy High School. They pulled him from Florida late in the recruiting process. He went to the all-American Bowl in San Antonio, and Colorado flipped him late. He came in, and he was kind of that tweener type. It was reminding me a little bit of Savelle Smalls. He just never really found that groove at Colorado, and they decided before his senior year, this guy is too good of a player. He's not making enough of an impact in our program. Put him at tight end, and it was not a good season for Colorado, 2011 kind of was very similar to 2022 and the fact that they ranked dead last out of every FBS program and scoring margin. But Nick Casa uh, caught a, a very long touchdown pass against Washington State that led them to their only victory that year. And he went on to play for the Raiders for a few years. So it was kind of this feeling of, okay, we finally figured it out. We should have figured it out with Nick Casa sooner in his career. If that is the arc for Savelle Smoltz in his college career, we'll all be pretty excited about it. Exactly. Also, a member of the different Broncos. The guy was um, – was I remember Nick Casa on um, – uh, when he played, but also from Madden. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. As a lot of people probably – Nick, Nick Casa shared one of the funniest stories when he was a true freshman at Colorado, and I covered his recruitment pretty close, and I covered the All-American Bowl out and. Uh, San Antonio for for rivals and uh, he was committed to Florida at that time and we spent some time and he kind of hinted that he was coming to Colorado at that time but uh, later during his time at Colorado he said midway through his freshman year he got mono and he looked at me dead in the eyes and says dude I got to get out of these dorms it's a cesspool in here you got to help me get out of here so uh th that's a funny Nick Costa story he is uh 
a guy that was a natural athlete and uh, he always wore his emotions on his sleeve. He, he, I hope he's doing well in life these days. Yeah, shouts out to Big Nick. And uh, so hopefully Savelle can go into those footsteps and be very successful at that tight end spot uh, for Colorado. And uh, also Coach Brett Bartoloni will be coaching him, former wide receivers coach, former um, – Offensive coordinator at Jackson State. I think he'll do a good job coaching him with um, with Coach Jason Phillips, the former wide receiver coach at Jackson State, Coach Prime's first year, and former teammate of Coach Prime's. He's the new wide receivers coach for the Buffs this year. So um, he'll have a lot of athletes on his hands as uh, we have one on the other side of the ball come in as we change subjects. We talk about B.J. Green and what he brings to the Buff. We saw – Last week, um, his announcement saying that he's going to come and be reunited, should I say, with Coach Prime, who was his first coach in Pee Wee League. And the truth be, back in uh, it was in Atlanta where he coached that. He also said Coach Prime was the one who told him that he'll be a, a defensive player after seeing some of his natural moves as a seven-year-old. Um, now, after a successful few years at um, Arizona State, coming in as a preferred walk-on, earning a scholarship his second year, putting up. Uh, sacks this year uh, had one in the half versus uh, Colorado on Shadur Sanders. I think he can rush, and I've seen him rushing from over the guard position, lining up outside. So he's going to bring a different dynamic in the pass rushing game for Colorado as he can bring that NASCAR package in. Like I said, a defensive end who can also rush uh, from the inside. How do you think B.J. Green helps out Coach Prime's defense uh, to be, you know, a lot more uh, chaos bringing and havoc causing on that side of the ball and pass downs. He's not going to be in Boulder till May, but this is a me mechanical engineering major. So, you know, he's going to have that maturity that's going to fit in right away with his experience. He joined Arizona State's program as a walk on, and I think. He, as much as you want to find a role for a blue chipper like Savelle Smalls, on the opposite side of it, you don't worry about a guy like B.J. Green coming in late in the process with his experience at Arizona State. The fact that he started out as a walk-on and had to prove everything. So he's clearly got the makeup that you need for him to be an elite edge player for Colorado in 2024. I was asked the other day, Who's the biggest impact guy that has joined Colorado's roster this offseason? And I said, you should probably go with Jordan Seaton because he's going to probably be the left tackle to protect one of the top quarterbacks in the country. That, But if you don't want to go chalk on that, if you want to kind of think outside the box a little bit, I don't think B.J. Green is a bad pick there because I, I look at his just hash rush impact beyond sacks what he did with hurries and hits and pressures on quarterbacks this past year. It was really off the charts. I think we can sit here and debate whether PFF has great grades for offensive linemen because you don't necessarily know what every O-lineman's responsibility is on every play. But I think pass rush numbers are pretty clear when you see a guy getting after quarterback. And so when I see pro football focuses numbers on B.J. Green and Again, they're off the charts, and you add that with Samuel Okunlola and Arden Walker and Tajay McCoy and some of the other guys in the program. We see Kyrie Mann's very vocal in the offseason workouts, and 
I was telling Brian Howell this the other day. I don't know if there's a position group that's gotten more improved this offseason, and that's with the position coach leaving this offseason. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. Um, I, I forgot to mention also Kyrie Manns last week when I was doing my starters on the defense. And, uh, you know, I think he uh, – I'll just say this. He 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 knew I forgot about him. And <laughs> and shout out to him. I met him when I was up in Boulder. Good guy. Shouts out to uh the whole New York area. As I see Brooklyn's in here right now. Kyrie is from uh the New York area, also played at Maine. I think he is ready to make an impact this year. Also, a lot of lot of competition on the outside edge rushing, like you said, man. Oh I I, I I guess we'll go off subject just a little bit, but staying on that, who do you feel like could be the starters on that outside edge? We got you got people, Okalola, like you said, Wiggins, uh, Kyrie Manns, Walker, uh, Webb Walker, BJ Green, uh, Wade. <laughs> I can keep on naming guys. Well, Okalola tied for the team lead at Pittsburgh, and he didn't play a whole lot of snaps last year. So that that signals to me that he's a guy on third and long that he's on the field. You, yeah. you get him out here. He's got those moves to get in there. Um, BJ Green is, is number one, probably on the hierarchy for me right now. Um, I have kind of a, a soft spot for Arden Walker, and uh, I got a chance to cover him a bunch when he was a high school prospect at Cherry Creek. He's one of the, the, the few Colorado kids on the roster. And so uh, I was impressed with the – flashes he made last season so i'm looking to see that that jump from him um it seems like vincent dancy is, is kind of a cerebral calculated coach i i don't have any doubt he's going to put the right guys out there but i i would have a hard time believing that that uh bj green's not going to be your your main guy at, at outside linebacker going to, into this upcoming season most definitely and i was just thinking when you said that with oak and lola and them and everybody you named Man, and I did mention the NASCAR package. So if I was just thinking, if I'm third and long right now for Colorado, I'm excited to pin my ears back with BJ Green, Oaken Lola, and you can take your pick of guys and and mix them in from there. If I know if, if it's third and long, or if I'm in a situation like we were in a lot of times, you know, with the defense knowing that we were going to pass the ball. If we can get teams into that situation, we have some pass rushes that we could put full across the front that's going to be scary for some offensive line and some quarterbacks out there, especially the ones that can't get away and escape that pressure. <laughs> and shout out to, to Jordan Dominic, who it seemed like he did pretty well in his, uh, you know, his post-college all-star game. And he was really good. But, yeah, the, the more pieces you have there uh, – you know, the more pressure it puts on that offensive line, they can't double up on one guy. And, but I think Jordan Dominic is a guy that because his time in Boulder was so quick that some folks might forget about him, but I feel like we need to keep bringing that name up because uh, he and in a few other guys that were Xavier Weaver guys that were, you know, part of a four and eight team, but were really part of kind of the revitalization and a big part of Colorado representing well on, on such a big stage despite all those losses. Yeah, shouts out to Todd Austin, too, who also did well in the in the senior bowl down there yeah. in the all-star game that they played in. So, um, yeah, all those guys wish those guys luck to where they get a chance to make some money. Well, we're making money now, but <laughs> to make get a uh, be a professional football player on some level uh, that's out there because there's multiple levels now that you can go play on and get paid. 
some real money, some real salary out there. So uh, coming up now, you know, you got the winter workouts going on right now. And before we get into the spring, we're going to have what, what we're calling and we might have this every week because <laughs> I think there's going to be something each week that we can have for Adam to explain on our Adam Explain segment right here. <laughs> and we're going to have Adam to explain the recruiting calendar that's going on uh, right now. Uh, talk about it. And uh, with Wednesday coming up, tell us what's going on. Chico, can I expose how old I am and really go back to the beginning of what it looked like? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I started covering recruiting in 2002 when I was still in college. And I, even talking to beat writers at that time, this was something that was not covered. It was maybe covered on signing day when you'd have the list of names that signed. And then there was for the real few recruiting fans out there, there was a fax line. You'd actually call into a fax line, subscribe to it, and they'd send a fax to you and say that, you know, the Jordan Seton of, I don't know what year we're looking at, 1993 is down to a top five of these schools. And it was really sparse. It was really hard to get attention. Yeah. And then uh, I covered recruiting starting, like I said, in 2002, and it was very much a phone call driven industry, but it was really taken off with the in with the internet and message boards, because mm -hmm. I, I said this, I think on our last episode of the fact that there's 365, I think what 366 this year, because of the leap year, but there's so many days in a year and so few days within that year that there's an actual game. And if you're a diehard college football fan of your team, you want something that's going to keep you engaged. And so the message boards coupled with, uh, recruiting really kind of took this into a new age with the star ratings. And that's why you'll see us often reference, this is the best Colorado commit or in Jordan Seaton's case, it was uh, the third best signee for Colorado football in its history since 2000. And that's kind of the, the start of things going into the new era of college football recruiting. And I started on rivals and it was a, an age where you could actually break commitments. If you, dialed the right kid at the right time and you had the right sources, you, you'd reach out to them. And then rightfully so, Twitter came along and it put the power back into the prospects of being able to announce on their own terms of this is my top 10, five, three. And I know when recruits name a top 40, it makes everybody want to pull their hair out because it's like, did you narrow anybody out of your consideration? Are you just flexing that you have 40 offers? Uh, you know, there's a whole other part of that discussion in terms of it. But what it did is it put the power into these young men that, you know, if it's just God-given ability, and we've seen that with some guys that are, you know, five, four-star guys that get on campus, have no work ethic, and they struggle because that's all it was. It was just a, a God-given ability that they had. But then as much as people want to get mad about the two- or three-star guy that, that goes on to the NFL, but that's a cool story. You know, that's something – that motivated those folks that were underrated coming out of high school and they come into college and they really excel. And so it's been fun watching kind of the evolution of recruiting into the Twitter age. And now if you're covering college football recruiting, you don't break a kid's commitment until he announces you sit on it. You find out through sources where he's going, you write a story if he's coming to your school that you cover. And it's been pretty cool to see, 
the universal acceptance of that rule. Uh, there was a time I brought up Nick Costa earlier, and this was a, a case when he committed. No, it wasn't Nick Costa. It was uh, Jake Moretti, uh, another blue chipper that committed to Colorado. It came out in the newspaper before he wanted out. There was a whole outrage. I was involved uh, moving along. It, it's That was seven or eight years ago. Since then, I haven't seen anybody really try to break these young men's timeline for their announcement. So it's been good to see that. Now the recruiting calendar keeps accelerating because you've got the early signing period, which happens in mid-December. And so everybody wants to know who their high school guys are on board in December instead of waiting till February, which used to be the case. And so you've now got the winter evaluation period that has turned into this, the old spring evaluation. Uh-oh. Are you still there? Is that me or is that you, Adam? Do, do you hear me? Okay, now we're back on. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, but what you see now is an acceleration in the process. And instead of Colorado shoring up its 2024 class for next Wednesday's regular signing period, you have offers going out to 2025, 2026, 2027 guys whereas that would have happened in the spring in the past. So it's kind of a an acceleration of the process that, that you've seen in college football recruiting, but also an ability for these prospects to kind of own their story a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. And I, I thank you for that insight and all that information. Anybody in the chat, y'all have questions, put them in right now. That way Adam can get to them. Myself, I can get to them. Um so, Adam, I have a question, though, right off the top. So do you think that for this signing period coming up Wednesday, um, we're going to see a lot of, you know, guys brought in from for Colorado? How How is that going to look? It's going to be a pretty quiet period right now. Or what do you think? I'm trying to keep my ear to the ground, but it sounds like it's going to be a, a pretty quiet day. And, you know, I think the – natural reaction would be, well, I want a little excitement on, on signing day, right? Well, you, you brought in a pretty good group. Uh, the DJ Lundy going back to Florida state is kind of the one thing that if you're going to pick something out, that kind of is sour in your mouth at this point. But I did hear that coach prime brought up, uh, recently that, Hey, he knows we got to bring in linebackers. That's kind of the one spot you look at. If Savelle Smalls works out at tight end, you might be okay there. If Cam Michael works out at running back when you bring him in, you might be okay there. And the rest is kind of based on, you know, who shows they wanted during spring ball. And there's going to be a couple people that expose themselves that they don't want it. And you got to cycle through and kind of fill those spots. Yeah. But I, I really don't think there's a whole lot of gaps on this roster, to, to be honest with you, outside of linebacker. No, it's definitely not as much um, as many like last year. Um, you can't, you're not just looking at this roster and saying, Oh man, I'm worried about this. I'm, actually, you're a lot more confident now this year. And you say, Okay, we already had this. Now you add this. Okay, yeah, I like this piece. I like that piece. I think now you're at a position where you're going to kind of like last year, you're going to go through the spring, right? And you're going to see some guys drop off willingly uh, because of production, because of attitude, whatever. It's going to be some guys drop off. Hopefully it won't be as many as last year, but 
you know, whatever it is, we'll replace that. Coach Prime has the attitude of they can just replace that. And I think uh, coming up this spring, we'll let the guys go through them, let them try to perform, earn a spot. And we're going to see some more additions coming up uh, by, by, by May, April and May time. We're going to see some more additions coming on, along with the guys like B.J. Green and um, uh, Cam McHale and, and Draylon Miller and such. They're going to be coming and adding to this also. I think we, we're ready to go, man. We're, we're locked and loaded to where, you know, the pieces are in. You could just, ah, I'll take that for extra. Uh, I think that for depth and and uh, see where we go from there. So that spring game we talked about coming up, the date was released Saturday, April the 27th. And uh, shout out to Neely. He said today on DNVR show that they're going to be having week-long or actually month-long events, you know, headed up to or leading up to the the spring game. Anything you've heard about and how excited are you uh, for this year's spring game uh, coming up? I don't think we'll get any snow this year at the end of April, will we? You never know. I'm definitely not going to tell you it's not going to happen because you never know out here in Colorado until there was uh, the biggest snowstorm that I've ever heard about out here happened on St. Patrick's Day in April. So it's hard to say, but no, I I just wish this was guaranteed to be on ESPN because this is going to be a much better team to watch. Than oh, wait a minute, time was, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the it hasn't been announced what network is going to be on yet or what's covering, but we sure it's going to be on live TV. What would it be a bad business move for ESPN to not cover it again this year? Based on the numbers we saw last season, they should definitely cover it. I'm not saying that at all. We just haven't heard that they are. Oh, um, I'm just saying if they aren't, they picked the wrong year to cover the CU spring game because. <laughs> As beautiful as Boulder was with the snow falling, if you didn't have to be out there with your jacket on and having your fingers freeze or whatnot, yeah. uh, I think that, uh, you know, that was a cool scene to see Coach Prime run out there with Peggy and she kicked the bowl. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm going to bite my tongue on their kickoff issues last year there, but uh it was, a, it was a cool scene to have Folsom Field sold out. It, it was even a cooler scene for people that had seen there be beautiful weather at Folsom Field. And there's – you could count the fans on your hands. They, they would announce like 3,000 fans, but, I mean, that, that wasn't true. So to, to see that outpouring of support was so awesome. And to know that regardless of the weather, as long as Coach Prime is in Boulder – you know, people are going to support this program. That was a big moment, I felt like, for this program. But the product on the field was just awful. I mean, and I'm glad Montana Lemonius Craig got his shine, but like 98 of his yards came on a play where it was broken coverage and he just stiff-armed the walk-on. And uh, there's nothing wrong with those fun moments during spring ball, but uh, – you know, that that wasn't ESPN's dream in terms of covering Colorado. They would like to see Travis Hunter making that play. Ah, I got you. Makes sense. You, you're exactly right about that. <laughs> Actually, you know, because you got to realize what the networks want to see. And they want to see the stars that they came to cover make the plays. And uh, shouts out to Montana Lamonius Craig. Came back and had a good season. 
good game versus Colorado out of He's Arizona. a good kid. I really like that guy. Yeah, he is. Much love to him, man. Um, I, I actually thought that he was going to stay around with uh, Shadur uh, last year with the relationship they had. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but, you know, he ended up going to Arizona, and uh, hopefully everything continues to work out for him and um, and, and for us also. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the spring game going down April the 27th. Hopefully I shall be there, and, and it'll be nice sunny weather, and uh, probably we can do a live Buffum updates or something like that. You know what I mean? I know you're going to have this live going on to that live. Maybe we could squeeze in a Buffum updates. No, your priority – Chico, if you're coming to to Colorado for the uh, spring game, we're going to make a live show happen for sure. That'll be dope. That'll be dope. Okay. Let me see. Another subject we have is, I like this one right here, Devin Rispers' impact uh, on the Buffs with his recruiting coming over to Colorado as uh, like a recruiting ace from FAMU. I think he's coming in right at the right time with our – Recruiting ace from last year, Nick Williams, leaving and going to Syracuse. You bring in this guy who has a long history in the state of Florida, which is where Coach Prime loves to choose from his home state. 18 current buffs are from the state of Florida. And then you bring in this guy right here now. Riz is, he's known in Florida. He was a great football running back in Florida. He was recruited highly. And then he got into these coaches and he hasn't been afraid to offer the four and five stars to come to FAMU. You know, he's making a name for, he's made a name for himself. And with Colorado now playing in these three different time zones and having a game in uh, UCF, in Orlando, their stumping grounds, how important is is that impact of having this Florida-based recruiter in Colorado with Coach Prime? It could be big. You know, you hear that, that saying that I wear my heart on my sleeve. Well, I feel like Devin Rispris joining Colorado staff is kind of a, a recruiting extension of Coach Prime, honestly, in the sense that Coach Prime has said publicly, I love my Florida boys, and their recruiting has kind of followed that sentiment, and they've recruited other areas of, of the South Georgia and in Texas, but Coach Prime, he's got a lot on his plate. I'm a busy guy, and I and I don't know where to find the time in a day sometimes. And so I have no idea what, what Coach Prime deals with in that aspect. So you can have that passion and say, I love my Florida boys. But then you bring on somebody with those ties to the state, uh, even beyond your position coaches, somebody that's in your recruiting department that can go out there and be Coach Prime as a recruiter out there in, you know, bring that signal back to coach prime. And uh, I love his presence on social media. We've seen a lot more offers being put out there and that's good engagement for the off season. And so that, that signals to me that he, he gets it from a new age recruiting standpoint. And, and that's really important. And so, uh, you know, I, I love Colorado's recruiting staff before they were, you know, recruiting more on, quality over quantity with high school recruits, but they had to facilitate all, a lot of that stuff with, with the transfer recruits as well. And so uh, it's already a good group. And then you add somebody in with really good ties to that state, somebody that's really respected out in Florida. The, the few people I talked to that, that know of his reputation out there couldn't say enough about him. So 
it's a it's a, a big win for Colorado. Now, how much does that result in recruiting wins? That that's what time will tell. But um, it seems like a very good recruiting hire for Colorado. Oh yeah, uh, each and every year, of course, uh, Florida is one of the top schools as far as having the ESPN 100s in there. Um, Florida and then, and then that southern Georgia area, that region right there. Shouts out to Alabama also. Um, competing with states like Texas, you know how big Texas is, and they, they're always always producing athletes. So I think Coach Prime is is doing the smart thing and getting like that, that, that Coach Prime of recruiting, so to speak, in that area that knows that area uh, like the back of his hand. And he can be an extension of coach right there and, you know, right in that hotbed. And you got to you have to. It's like going to a lake and, you know, the fish over here, a lot of big fish over here. But you steadily fishing over here. No, dog, I'm going to get me a, a, a world class angler that knows how to fish right over there in that spot, because I know that's what a big fish are. Right. Well, I'm going over there first. Make sure I got some good rods, some good hooks, anglers and everything else in that area, because that's what a big fish are. And I think. He's hitting. He's right on on point with bringing in uh, Coach Riz to do that. He's working under Coach Corey Phillips or tag teaming with him. Uh, I think Coach Riz is more over the high school recruits, and Coach Phillips and his staff are covering more of the transfers. So I think we'll see a lot more, like you said, offers coming in from these high school guys, and um, and really improve the future of Colorado football by bringing in a lot of high school. Highly ranked prospects also. Let's see here. We've got another subject to talk about. Uh, not that one, but this one. <laughs> Most impressive newcomers that you've seen from the video workouts. You guys let me know in the chats also. This is for you guys also. Shout out to Big LT up in here. Uh, Cindy in here. Dev. ATL. Aurelius is in here. A lot of people are in here. Coach Kev, Diane Brown. She said, what's the price of the spring game? I'm not sure yet. Do you remember the ticket price from last year? I think it was just $5. And, I mean, maybe people that don't want to pay this price don't want to say this, but they should probably raise it, right? I mean, that's good oh, yeah. financial windfall for the program if you raise it to 20 bucks and – I mean, you you market that thing right. I think you're still going to have a sellout, and hopefully the weather co cooperates with you. But uh, I, I think this program, as much as they have the national attention, they're still not a blue blood from a financial standpoint. And so if you can find any opportunity to increase that revenue within your athletic department, I, I think you got to try to take that. And I, I think 20 bucks would be reasonable to, again, this wasn't last year's spring game where you had walk-ons playing out there in a lot of spots, even on the, the you know, the second team defense and there's going to be walk-ons out there and that'll be great when they make a, a big play because it will be not as watered down of, of an event, you know? So hopefully they, you know, uh, up the, the price a little bit and get, get a sellout as well. And, and hopefully there's a better show. I, I think there's going to be a lot more talent on the field this spring than there was last year for the spring game. For sure. And much love to the walk-ons. We're not sliding the walk-ons at all. Right, Adam? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, but, when you're, your whole experience to, to travel to Folsom field and it's walk-ons messing up that are making the big plays, like that's not the experience you want. You want, 
you know, Charlie offered all going off for, for 300 yards running against the first team, de- the first team defense, you know, that that's what you want when you, you talk about a, a walk on explosion at the spring game. Shouts out to Charlie. Um, yeah. Also this, uh, wait, first of all, do like this. Shouts out to my, my Eski shirt, but do like this. I think you got on the good guys. Yeah. And we just mentioned uh, Coach Corey Phillips. Shout out to Coach Corey and his brand, uh, the good guys. I think he started that. I don't have the backstory on it, but uh, let us know how you how you purchased it, how you found out about so, it. So, yeah, you go to the good guys. I, I don't know the link, but Corey Phillips, this is his story to tell, but he's an inspiration for folks that know his story. And oh, yeah. it's not really in, in my place to tell that, but um, he's an inspiration. And I saw Coach Prime running on the indoor practice fit field this week uh you know and there's different inspiration in chico i saw your interview with chef carl solomon which i've got we got to talk about that i got to interject here and he ran an ultra marathon that that's insanity i i got these bibs over here and i'm a runner and i've kind of fallen off from it the last year or so I broke a rib last year had an Achilles issue and I kind of fell off from it but between um Corey Phillips in, in what he's done to stay in great shape despite what he's done as a human being the last year uh seeing coach prime run out there without all of his toes intact in, in hearing that story about Carl Solomon that you know he has a pretty demanding job and he still finds time to get in shape to run hundred miles on some level. I, I think that's what an ultra marathon is, right? It, it's yeah, insane sure. to me. I I've felt so much pain running a full marathon that I'm never going beyond that. That is the end point for me. Uh, and I've then, felt so much pain watching a marathon one time, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but that guy, no, like no joke. That gave me enough inspiration that I actually have signed up for three races the next uh, few months. So I'm going to drop a few LBs, get in better shape. And now that I've gotten over these injuries and really dedicate myself to it, but sometimes it, yeah, as you get older, you kind of need that little bit of push to kind of get you competitive again. And just seeing coach prime run again and, you know, hearing a chef that, if I was in that kitchen, I'd be 400 pounds. I guarantee you. <laughs> so yeah, if, he, if he can run an ultra marathon, I can run at least uh, a regular marathon again. Yeah. And so every, every excuse to not run, to yeah. not train, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, what? And when I look back over the interview, it kind of went over my head. You know, I, I, I read it. I researched it when he said ultra marathon, but then I went back and listened to it. I was like, damn, he really said, at the 80 mile mark. I'm like, what? What are you doing, driving? At the 80 mile mark, man. So yeah, he, that was- he is built different. That that is, I know, I know what I thought 23 miles into a marathon, and it wasn't good stuff. It was <laughs> it was really negative. I can't even imagine how strong you have to be as a human being to yeah. get to that hundred mile mark. So so hats off to the chef because I'm going to tell you, they transitioned from training table with another service, and I'm not going to mention their name, but when they upgraded and they hired Chef Carl Solomon and they started doing our weekly Tuesday press luncheons, 
I'm a good, I'm a good cook. I, I know my way around the kitchen. My wife is a good cook. That was the best meal I had every week that they served us that lunch in the, in the Tuesday press luncheon. And, uh, I remember going to bat against a, a parent of a recruit that didn't like the food there, not not a current player at Colorado, uh, a running back that didn't like the food there. And I, I went to bat for Chef Solomon. I, I was like, this is no, this is a non-starter. This is the best food that <laughs> any college football player is getting in the country because I know uh, I get to eat it once a week and uh, I, I go for seconds every time. So uh, I, I love that segment that you did with him. And he's such a humble guy as a wrote on Buff Stampede. It's, it's no secret if you watch that interview why Coach Prime really, you know, developed a strong relationship with him because he definitely, uh, you know, has everybody else's best interest at heart and has a, has a cool personality as well. Exactly. Cool personality. A lot of men of many talents. As you say, ran a marathon, ultra marathon, and then we saw him on the pregame show playing the saxophone, playing happy birthday for Coach Prime during his birthday dinner. And, you know, I did a little research on him, and then I saw he went to North Texas, and he studied jazz, and, you know, I forget the exactly the, the study or the name for it, but it was jazz or jazz something specialist, something like that. And I said, oh, he wasn't just playing around with this. He is, he's taught, and he, and so I had to ask him about that, and that was just fun to find out about that he actually has a background, and it's a professional background in it. And just a man of many talents, and he's putting in that many hours to feed that many hungry athletes and coaches and staff. And it's coming out great, variety. Everything is, is I like to say, matching or cohesive because he's not putting out like a mismatch of, of spread. Like I got macaroni and cheese with some Mexican over here because I didn't. I had leftover macaroni and cheese. No, he got the whole spread from the meats to the veggies to the salads to whatever. It all goes together, and that's what I like about him. And it's mixed up every day. Just yesterday, I saw, and I had to text him. Damn, man, was this inspired by? Nah, <laughs> but I saw him do uh, like Hawaiian dishes. He had uh, tuna and ahi poke, which is just cubed up uh, uh, tuna uh, bites like fish, cubed up and seasoned. He had the uh, chicken katsu and so on. Man, he unbelievable job he's doing. And uh, with the things I saw while I was being recruited, this is a 10 out of a 10 compared to a lot of fives in college football. Trust me. <laughs> so shout out to Chef Solomon. And I'm glad he was able to come on and be a guest yesterday on the Big Dog Chico Show. Um, before we wrap this up, we have to talk about the schedule that was released, 2024 buff schedule. Of course, we're starting off with North Dakota State, Nebraska, Colorado State, Baylor, UCF, Kansas State. And that one we have to talk about, too, as it will be played uh, at Arrowhead, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Arizona, Cincinnati, Texas Tech, Utah, Kansas. Or actually, it was the Kansas game, I think. Yeah, yeah. At uh, Arrowhead and uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, what are your thoughts on the schedule? Um, how do you see it? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I think that the schedule sets up a little bit differently than the way you looked at when the schedule came out last year and most years when Colorado was in the Pac-12 in the sense that there were some pretty clear 
you wouldn't call them necessarily blue bloods because USC hasn't really been USC since Pete Carroll was there. They, they've had some nice teams since then, but had not been on that level. And you've had Oregon that's had, you know, some, some pretty successful seasons, but not quite on that level, but you still saw those programs as teams that with where Colorado was, to be honest with you, if you were going to go down your schedule with a, a, a pencil, you put an L there by some of those schools. When I look at the schedule, I see less of that. I see a lot of that. They could beat that team for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot of, they definitely are going to blow up on that team. Like uh, I love coach prime's comments about, uh, you know, Colorado state wishing that that was the first game because uh I think that ignites some in-state feelings that are good for Colorado football. Not just the bus, but Colorado State as well. They're going up to their stadium, and how much can Buffs fans get in that stadium? How much can they invade that place? And there's going to be a a feeling in the air of that stadium that I don't think they've ever had up there at CSU. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, no, I – I see a lot of winnable games on there in Utah to me, even if it's at home is going to be one of the tougher ones. Um, But you really, if you put it together, if you protect Shador Sanders, if Travis Hunter stays healthy, um, if you get the right hire at defense coordinator, you can have a really special season with that schedule. Uh, But you got to be locked in. You can't take a week off because this is not a schedule where, you're going to have cupcakes. There, there isn't one on there, uh, but there also isn't one juggernaut on there is either, you know, that, and so to me, that signals a really entertaining football season. We're about to, to see, what do you think? Well, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be entertaining. Got some, um, got some, uh, bye weeks in there to get some rest just in case. Um, got some games off or home and away, home and away. is not just going to be away, away, away type games. Like you said, it's not huge juggernauts, not games that we're looking at, and we're saying, "Shh, this one might, might be a you know, we might not you know, you're not you're not already scratching it off as a loss in any way, shape, or form." Looking at this schedule right here, you're saying that we can, if anything, we can run it. We could find a way to run the table, dog. We could get in this playoff. It's twelve teams. We can get in this twelve team playoffs, win these games, but it's going to have to start with the first one and not looking over anyone. You know, I don't care. You talking about what conference they come from, what whatever it is, they're a football team, and on this schedule, they can beat us. North North Dakota State, Nebraska gonna come with a chip on their shoulder at their house. Same thing with uh CSU, they're gonna try to pull out all the stops. If I'm coaching Orville up there, hey, hit somebody late early, you know, not necessarily hit some, but do something early to see if we can get them out of their comfort zone, their rhythm, get them to, uh, you know, just make undisciplined type mistakes. I'm, I want to have a dog fight, a street fight up there if I'm Coach Norville. But if I'm Coach Prime, I'm going in there with the focus mind, my team ready to go. Hopefully we'll be 2-0 and from Nebraska and North Dakota State. We know how to win games, and this is going to propel us for the rest of the season. We're gonna, we, we know that we started off 3-0 and last year, so it's a, it's a different type of focus when you've had a – amount of uh, success early on and then you kind of lost that now you're going into it thinking that we're going to we're going to do everything we can to have that same amount of early success but now we're going to maintain it 
We're going to sustain it. We're going to find a way to continue to get better throughout the season. And I think this schedule presents that with all of these games being challenging, but in a way to where we're not intimidated and we know that we can win these games and we probably should win most of these games with our quarterback, with our talent. We probably should win most of these games and everybody's going to be watching. So, you know, good schedule. But the main thing is get into that playoffs, get get bowl eligible and then get into the playoffs and anything can happen. That's what I think Coach Prime is, is, is looking for. I'll maintain if you ran a simulation, a true simulation, not just going off like BPI that ESPN seems to endorse, but a true simulation of what Colorado put on the field last year. That's a bowl team more often than not. In fact, the vast majority of the time, I really feel that way after watching that team early in the season last year. And you wonder how much of that Stanford loss kind of derailed things. And it's hard to put a a finger on that. So um, you look at that schedule and you look at what Colorado put into the program last offseason, what they added to it this offseason. There's still a couple pieces like BJ Green and Will Shepard. They're going to be, you know, top level Big 12 players this coming season, this summer. And you get really optimistic and you just hope that the the bounces, the luck, the the camaraderie and all that comes along. And it's just it's so hard. We'll we'll spend, you know, the next many months talking about this before they kick off. And it's just hard to predict. But when you look at a schedule, this is not one that, that should intimidate you. Exactly. Definitely shouldn't intimidate you and you should be confident and ready to go. And I think we are in that mode right now. I think we had one question that we didn't completely answer. Let me see if I can pull it back up. And that was, uh, who are you most excited about uh, watching after seeing them uh, probably on the videos, well off media or whatever? Who are you most excited about right now going into the spring? I don't want to go chalk, but do you see Jordan Seaton do the cone drill the other day in the well-off media video? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like left tackles aren't supposed to do that, are they? Hey. <laughs> that, that looked like a tight end. Chico, that should have been you out there running that. <laughs> that would have been me. I probably would be a 10-year NFL veteran right now if I had. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I'm like- I'm cutting the plates on him when he's doing uh bench press, try to and I think we're all naturally kind of He's under the microscope, but it's really cool that he knew he was signing up for that. And by all accounts, he's really embraced that. So that's the chalk answer, man. It's like Travis Hunter was my first answer with spring bowl. And now I'm saying Jordan Seaton. But the the wild card there would be Tajay McCoy. Do they just have an embarrassment of riches on the edge? Because if Tajay McCoy is the real deal, then that probably is the case. Because people's face lit up when when – They talked about him in the program last fall, but for an edge guy coming in with Jordan Seaton already established there, you know, Arden Walker played at Missouri and you had some other guys transfer in Kyrie Manns that DVU Harris that had played college football. So it was a hard path to him playing a lot last year, but that's another guy. When you watch those one-on-ones with the edge group coming off, I want to see how dominant he is. What about you? I think I named seven edges and didn't even get to Taji McCoy. And I love him. I love yeah. what he can bring. Uh, he's, he looked like he came in an extra 10, 15 pounds heavier, ready to go, more mature. Uh, I've been very impressed, like you said, with Jordan Seaton and his maturity. Uh, that's what I've been kind of looking at 
And a lot of times you see a guy probably that big and 18 years old, whatever, and they're still kind of goofy. They're still kind of baby fat on them. Nah, dog. This guy here, you know, he might joke around. He might say some things, but you could tell his maturity in him. You could tell he's working. You could tell he has a goal. He's focused. Uh, you could tell that Shadur has already put him on his wing and say, hey, dog, I'm here for one year. I, I don't have, you know, three, four years for you to mature or this. He's coming in as a grown man, ready to go, plug and play right now. He's going to have some competition with David Conner there at the left tackle also, who's ready to go too. But just to see Jordan Seaton out there as a freshman, massive, uh, college-ready body, ready to go right now. Been very impressive to see him, but I won't take your answer. All right. I won't take <laughs> I'm going to say, and it's not – try not to be so easy. I'm just going to – you know what? I'll say the – we'll say the entire offensive line. Is that cheating? Because I've been loving that camaraderie, seeing them uh, work together. Not see, not, a, not after last season. That's not cheating. Yeah. No, yeah. we, we – we all want to uh, forget what we saw at certain points. I don't know. The UCLA game is the one that, for whatever reason, I just can't get it out of here. I was mad that game, man. I was mad the, um, you know, before the season started, during the media days, media press conference, whatever they had, right, media day, uh, the guy who I was looking at and how they treated Shadur was, was Stone from Washington State. And – he, if you go back and look at that video, I did a reaction to it too. He was just, you could see, I'm a communications major, you know, and I did learn one thing and that was just body language and you, you, you communicate without saying anything. His body language towards Shadur and Travis during that whole time was just like, you know, like stuck up, like nose up, like, uh, uh, you know, and I said, that guy there is going to be coming for Shadur during the game. I hope the offensive linemen know this. I hope they block him. First, second play of the game, he got to him, you know? And those things are sparked from, especially as a defensive lineman to a quarterback, those are sparked from just little stuff, like Shadur being at the media day and changing his shirt, and you see Stone walk by like, uh, got to change your shirt, huh? You know, made a little comment like that and kept going, you know? So... I was very disappointed watching the UCLA game because those defensive ends came after him just like that, and there was nothing we could do about it. And it seemed like the offensive line didn't want to put their bodies in harm's way to help out Shadur during that game. So, yes, I'm very um, impressed with the offensive line and what they're showing doing winter workouts right now. Uh, one point I'll say is Coach Prime did come into the huddle on the last video and said, and I understand this. He said, hey, I see this group of offensive linemen working out, and they got that camaraderie. They talking. They're they're bonding together. You guys are just going through the motion, just working out. You know, I don't want that. I want y'all to encourage each other, get to know each other, talk to each other. Do not sit at the cafeterias with, the, with your phones up, dog. You got your teammates right here. Get to know them, interact, engage, learn each other, because it's going to help out in the long run. And I think that's also what this military, the military workouts bring is that uh, mental conditioning, communication, leaning on your brother and uh, helping out one another. All in all, what's I, what I'm seeing right now, I'm impressed with the whole team, especially the offensive linemen. And shout out to uh, Big Shadozi Wonko also. 
I think he did 29 reps on the bench. Whew. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, to go back to that camaraderie thing, okay. why do you think college football programs do, don't do do something like have these guys just – would it be NCAA – against NCAA restrictions probably to like put them – like on some, not like a full-on extravagant vacation, but some type of retreat. I would imagine that would be some type of violation. But I, I feel like, you know, as much as you want to put them through the hard rigors of military training, you know, why not enhance kind of, kind of the off-the-field stuff as well? Because a lot of these guys now with online classes kind of go their separate way after leaving the facility. Yeah, that's facts. Um, so I think, yeah, um, whether it's hiking in the mountains. Um, oh, yeah. See you, see you did get in trouble for that once. Yeah, that's right. For for hiking? They did. Somebody took a picture of them hiking up the mountains and said it wasn't a mandated event or something and that they hadn't done the proper. So I just answered my own question here. But, yeah, no, that's messed up. That That's what I would like to see in this transfer era is – I understand there's Title IX restrictions and you have all these restrictions. If you can somehow get to a point where you have these guys that hang out a little bit more outside of the facility, but not working out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've seen something like that in college to where when you move off campus, we not really off, not online classes, but even off campus, you can have that little bit of a disconnect because you're off campus and away from the ones that are on campus. So you still have to make an extra effort to uh, connect with your teammates. That camaraderie is key, especially on the offensive line. And I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. Um, you know, just keep it up, man. Keep it up. And if anything, we might see a few changes. I think some guys are holding over to after the spring. Uh, you know, some guys who was there last year, probably looking at the writing on the wall now and saying there's probably no way I'm going to play. So some of them could say I'm going to stay here and just stick it out and, you know, be a part of something great. Or some of them might decide to, you know, leave and go take an opportunity to try to play. But uh, whatever the case, I think we're in, uh, headed in the right direction. We got some leaders on this team, some dogs, some former starters, and guys who are coming in ready to compete. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, what's your any any final thoughts on today? We got some questions from the chat. If you want to try to go in and answer them also. Yeah, no, no, just to close out on your thought there, Chico, it's it's a different trajectory year two of this head coach at a program because of Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter and trying to maximize what they're trying to build. And that's something that as I've done some of these interviews where people are asking me, why in the world would they build with six high school signees in 2024? And it's like, well, you've got to look at what you're trying to do. And especially in this new era, um, you can fill those gaps next year if you need to. If you need to find Shador Sanders' replacement through the portal, you can do that. But right now it's about getting guys that make Colorado football the best it can be for 2024. And, yeah, we're not going to close the door on an elite high school recruit, you know, a Draylon Miller, a Cam Michael that may, maybe won't lead the team in receiving in year one, but are going to be really, really good players in the in the system. And so that's the part of it that uh, it's been a focus on 
getting this team right on an accelerated timeline, which throws some people off a little bit, but that is the the part that that's been impressive to me is the fact that last year in spring ball, there were a couple guys that just weren't fitting in and they weren't on the roster in the summer. So they'll turn that over, but they're not going to push out guys. And you haven't seen as much turnover this winter. You've seen a few guys. Yeah. Would you maybe like to have Ben Wells on the roster for center depth and, Hankerson, could he compete for some carries? Sure. But generally, the guys that are leaving the program, you're, you're completely fine with. And so the trajectory of the program's upward, but it's it's upward in a, in a faster trajectory than, than most people are comfortable with because uh, they're used to the norm of you inherit a blue blood and you recruit 25 high school guys in, in a class and you don't have to do what coach prime did. And so the, the, the Colorado folks that were in Folsom field in 2022 certainly appreciate what he's been doing. Exactly. And uh shout out to the parents that I interviewed. They told me that, uh, and I think who was that Ben's parents, how to Ben Finisette's parents who said the vibe is totally different coming to Boulder um, in, in the coach prime era. You know, uh, they were there last year, kind of knowing the outcome, what it could be. And so on. So they really wanted to support the kids and uh, and the team, and you know, let them know that we were there for them. But this year, the whole vibe is different. You got people everywhere, and you know, you leave the stadium with the feeling that we were in this game. We could have won. There's hope, and now there's expectations this year. Like Coach Prime said, we're here now, and last year's old news. So, hey, stay tuned for more Buffum updates. Myself and Adam, we're gonna be doing this uh, each and every. Should we say weekly, Adam? Should we go ahead and say most weekly? weeks? Yeah, we should put that out there most weeks and and just follow along uh, Big Dog Chico's YouTube page and in my Twitter account. We're gonna keep you updated on when we're gonna go live, but hopefully we can make it's a good end of week kind of wrap up. And I enjoy the chemistry with you, so hopefully we can make this happen most weeks. Yes, most definitely. Also, uh, let them know where they can find any articles that stay up to date uh, with Coach Prime and the Buffaloes buffstampede.com simple as that uh come check us out and uh we'll keep you updated with everything going colorado related buffstampede.com follow him also on twitter at adam is that yeah adam adam cm 777 the 777 that's i'll take that for good luck right well monster tiger doesn't really fit on uh the the twitter (laughs) A character requirement, so we we had a venture outside of that. That that's that's what spawned uh, the seven seven seven. But uh, yeah, it works. <laughs> okay, all right. You can follow me at Chico Cleveland on Twitter or Big Dog Chico anywhere on all social media platforms. And shouts out to everybody in the chat: Shelly, Tab from Texas, Patrick Thomas, Surfer Boy, first time fishing says thank you adam for still being yourself in interviews when everyone else wanted a headline now look you're a bandwagoner's favorite <laughs> man you guys wild in the comments shout out to all the bandwagon buffs and whoever else out there checking in uh let me see there are ndsu guys those okay all right you guys in the chat's going crazy maybe we'll get into the chats on youtube and comment some more, right? Uh, Adam is from 247, right? Yep, he looks familiar. Yeah, tell him about 247, Adam, real quick. 24-7 Sports, yeah, we uh, we are owned by CBS Sports. I've been with them for a long time, was with, with Rivals previously, and 
the leadership we get from CVS is is uh, pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah, no, I if you're not a Colorado fan, I, I don't know why you would be watching this otherwise. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we we got you covered with all the the high school recruiting stuff, and you can yell at all of us about the ratings, which I have nothing to do with. So you can yell at me, but I'm not going to respond. All right, well, that's what it is. Find us on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all social media. We'll be back for more each and every week to wrap up Coach Prime and Colorado buff them updates right here with Adam and Chico. All right. We're going to be up and about here. Peace in the middle. You sure y'all.